Oh, hello there. Quick question for you. Does taking a great brand or product photo feel like a code you simply can't crack? Do you want to give up trying to create visual assets for your business before you've even started? Well, you're about to discover the secrets to taking powerful brand and product photos while strategically sharing them in a way that will serve your bottom line without adding hours of learning to your already packed up calendar. If you're a business owner, maker, influencer, or affiliate marketer, you already know that showing up online with beautiful imagery is super important. That's why I created this free online training especially for you to level up your brand and create the kind of imagery that catches the eye of your customer, the kind of imagery you can be proud of. During this retraining, you will learn my four-step framework for taking brand and product photos that will help you improve your sales and attract more customers without being salesy. You will also learn the top four mistakes most people make with brand and product photos and why these mistakes are costing them major profits. So, are you ready to up-level your visual brand assets? I thought so. For a limited time only, grab your seat for my free training at kellylawson.ca slash free masterclass. That's kellylawson.ca slash free masterclass. I am so excited to be your teacher and I'll see you in class. Do you ever find yourself staring at a blinking cursor, trying to find the words to say about your business or your brand? Do you ever think, my story isn't that interesting, I have nothing to say, I don't know how to say it, and I have absolutely no idea where to even begin? On today's episode of the Workshop Weekly Podcast, Katie Wallace of Story by Kate will be talking all about copywriting and brand storytelling, why you need it, where you need it, and how to do it in your own business. She will dive deep into the power of words and how you can leverage the power of storytelling and telling your own stories as an entrepreneur. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. You're listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. Around here, we believe that taking imperfect action rules. So we're creating space for you to dive in and fast track your success one workshop at a time. Now, refill your coffee cup, grab your notebook, and get ready to join in on your weekly training, listen to meaningful conversation, and learn from industry experts. Here's your host, Kelly Lawson. Hi, Katie. I am so excited to have you on today's show. Katie and I have been working together for quite a while now. And full disclosure, Katie actually writes a lot of the scripting for this very podcast and some of my blog posts and some of my email sequences as well. She's super talented and has definitely a really keen ability to hone the voice of somebody else. And so I have all kinds of respect for that. And I just love Katie, a dear friend of mine, Katie. Welcome to the show. Hey, Kelly, I'm so happy to be here. Any chance to hang out with you, business or otherwise, I will take it. You're way too kind. Katie, I know we've been friends for a while and I am pretty sure I've never actually asked you this question. So I'm excited to hear it for the first time, but I don't know how you came to be a storyteller, a copywriter, a writer in general, a brand Mm. storyteller. So I'd love to kick this off by hearing your story about how this all came to be. 
For sure. It's a bit of a long and winding road. I will try to be as concise as I can. It's funny looking back how things in hindsight make a lot of sense. It seems like I was probably destined to become a writer, but thank God for the people along the way who gave me chances. And I took the chance for adventure a lot of the time, and that kind of guided my path. So here has how it went in a, a bit of a nutshell. When I got out of university, I did a BA at McGill, and I had a degree in anthropology. Like, okay. Uh, that summer, I went tree planting in northern Alberta. And the day that would have been my graduation from McGill, I was sitting on like a stump in a clear cut. I was in like a northern remote fly-in bush camp. And I was sitting on a stump surrounded by mosquitoes, filthy, just... And I thought, oh my God, what the hell am I going to do with my life? I got this degree. I, I loved it. It was like that classic liberal arts education, but I had zero plans. Can I just say that I love the mental picture of you sitting on that stump? <laughs> I was like pig pen. I love it. <laughs> Anyhow, the summer ended. I'd had my sort of holy shit eureka moment. I came back to New Brunswick feeling like a huge loser because I had no plan for my adult life. And I was like, I got to get a job. I got a job at the Air Canada call center and mostly because it paid well and I would get free flights. So it really kind of scratched that adventure itch that I had. But I quickly realized there's no way in hell I want to work at a call center for the rest of my life. I was pretty miserable. Here newspaper which was that great free independent weekly in our city had just started up and I saw a job posting for, I think it was like a marketing person, which I was absolutely not qualified for, but I was like, you know what? You need some writing skills. I, that was kind of my thing in university. I loved writing essays and stuff. I'll apply. So I go for the interview and Janet Scott, one of the owners says, Hey, we actually are looking for a staff writer. What would you think? And I was like, Oh my God. What would I think? Yes. Like this is, it was like a dream come true. It was like a dream that I didn't even know was possible. Like I just was like, I'm just this girl from New Brunswick with an anthropology degree. Like I'm not a writer, but they gave me that chance. And it was an awesome introduction to writing, reporting, interviewing, I could kind of see the writing on the wall with here that maybe it wouldn't be around forever and I better get some credentials. So I went to journalism school. I went back to Montreal, went to Concordia, did a journalism. They had like a great graduate diploma. Now, by this time, I come out of journalism school, I'm 30. So like <laughs> time's ticking. Back in New Brunswick after journalism school, again, no job and thinking, oh my God, I'm such a loser. <laughs> no, you <laughs> But this is the thing I was saying initially, I guess, about my network. Ran into Greg Hemmings one day at the city market. And he was working on a TV show. For any listeners who don't know Greg, he's just a fantastic filmmaker and friend. And he needed a writer. So, okay, let's try this uh, TV. It was The show is called Planet Luxury. So I became the writer and researcher on the show. It was finding the world's most expensive items and the people who owned them. So it was like a really fun lifestyle show. That led to, ended up getting a job offer at the Telegraph Journal, which is our provincial daily newspaper here. I worked as an editor there. I became the arts reporter, which was probably the best job anyone could ever have. You just get to go and talk to artists and 
write about them all the time. Had a little stint after I left the paper running an arts organization. So like, there was always kind of that draw towards creativity and culture. And then a couple of years ago, I guess I would say like some life circumstances kind of forced the issue. It was just time to start my own business. I needed to control my schedule because of family demands. And so I hung out my shingle and I just kind of took all the writing that I had been doing and all that experience and was transitioning into copywriting for business, you know, ghostwriting, blogs, doing scripts, video, still keeping a little finger in the journalism pod as well. And so that's where I am today. I'm kind of a, a jack-of-all-trades writer with journalism being that foundation and that kind of well that I go back to all the time for those fundamentals in storytelling. Amazing. I never knew your story. I did not know that you started out at a call center. This is all new information for me. <laughs> I feel like you're full of surprises. But I'd love to know what it is about writing and storytelling that lights your fire because I know it does. Yeah, it's true. I get like, even just hearing you say it, I kind of like feel a little tingle, like, oh, God, so many stories out there to tell. I think it's really it comes down to connection. I really seek that understanding of why people do what they do, like what's going through their head, what is like happening behind the curtain. I want that knowledge and that connection to people. I think that's at the heart of it where stories come from. And then with the writing, I mean, it's just, it was just that thing that I was just good at. Like, it was just my thing. It was my jam. That was a natural vehicle for like a mode of connection, I would say. Completely. And I think we see that now, I mean, in the age of social media and how connected we are just in our current climate. Mm. I think we crave stories. Like, I think it's just human nature that we crave stories more than information. We do. And there is some really interesting research. Like, I've been really nerding out in the past couple of years around stories and why they matter. Because I think on the one hand, there's been this whole kind of craze and trend around brand storytelling. And... It's easy to kind of write it off as like another trend in marketing, but but that actually is nothing could be further from the truth. Like we are deeply biologically hardwired for stories. If you don't mind, I can like tell you a little bit about some of the the research that I found. Completely love that you just said that because I've been wondering that. So yes, please share that research. So when I started my business, I start I kind of had this eureka moment, Kelly, where I was like, wait. If someone asked me, what is a story and why do they matter? I'm not sure I could have really answered. Like, I just kind of had this gut feel like they matter to me. Or, you know, that book made me cry or Mm -hmm. that person's Facebook post made me furious. So I started looking into it. So I found one definition of story I really loved. It's so simple. It was by this screenwriter. And she said, stories are action plus emotion. So like something happens that makes you feel something. So I love that simplicity. And the reason that matters is we have these crazy, uh, they're called mirror neurons. So in our brains, we are actually hardwired to receive stories, to respond to them, and then to react. Like they actually guide how we move through the world. And the way it works, okay, I'm certainly not a neuroscientist, but from what I've read, here's how I understand it. So let's say 
you're telling me about how you met your husband, Jeff, you know, that feeling of falling in love, the same neurons or the same parts of your brain that are lighting up as you're sharing this story and sharing that first person experience are also lighting up in my brain. So I'm able to like vicariously live your life or any other person sharing a story as though it was my own. I want to interrupt for a quick sec to tell you about a product that I've recently come across. I have never been a fan of wearing pantyhose. Most of the time after one wash, they would pill and tear. And honestly, it always just felt like an enormous waste of money to own them. Then came Sheertex. The strongest pantyhose in the world delivered right to my door in the cutest little box. Their fibers don't exist anywhere else on the market. They actually miniaturize the fibers used in bulletproof vests to create a knit just as strong as the people who wear them. You basically have to be Hulk to rip these things. And they have quickly converted me into a person that raves endlessly about my shears. I don't want you to miss out. So head over to kellylawson.ca slash sheertex, S-H-E-E-R-T-E-X and use the code kellyslawson10 to save 10% on your new pair of shears today. You make me think of my sweet little grandmother who used to watch soap operas every weekday and call them her stories. And she loved that content. <laughs> yeah, I, that's such a great example because you're like, you're in it with them. Yeah. Okay, so why does this matter? Like, how does that apply to your business and your life? Well, that matters because you're able to bring people in on your journey If you can tell a story well, and there's some really simple ways to do it, then you are like bringing them into your life and your world and you're making them care Mm -hmm. because the crux of stories is emotion. I love collecting little quotes. And there was one I saw from a neuroscientist and he said, what was it? Facts lead to, I'd have to look it up, but basically that emotion sparks action that we don't actually ever make a decision that isn't guided by emotion. Mm -hmm. If you can tell stories that bring people into your world and into how you're experiencing your business and your life, then you've got them like that is just gold. And, you know, it's good for business, but it's also like just this really valuable way to build that that kind of durable community that we're always talking about in business now, like, people can really know you then like that is empathy. And that's probably the most powerful emotion that we can experience. I think it makes so much sense because I think about myself day to day, scrolling Instagram and looking at Instagram stories, and I find myself really invested in the lives of people who I've never met. And now that we're saying this, I think a lot of listeners are pretty newish to this whole concept of storytelling and brand storytelling. And they're probably thinking, my life isn't that exciting. I don't do things that are that interesting. So what advice do you have for listeners who might be thinking these things and now understand the importance of storytelling and brand storytelling for their businesses? What advice do you have for them to get started with doing this in their own world? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is a bit of a mindset shift towards realizing that your life is interesting and it's very singular Like literally no one else has ever had the collection of experiences and influences that you've had. No one else thinks about things in quite the same way as you do. So 
give yourself permission. Your story is valid. It's not boring. And I think, you know, nothing like Instagram stories to show us that there is no detail too banal, no little glimpse into someone's life that is just this ordinary unfolding of life. Like Instagram stories proves that we love that. So it doesn't need to be an epic tale involving (laughs) high drama. There's a lot of interest in that day-to-day way that our stories in our lives unfold. And I think in that day-to-day storytelling too, you get to those bigger themes and there's a chance to tell those bigger tales of struggle. But yeah, don't worry. Like I'm giving you permission right now to share what may not feel that special. We also have the curse of knowledge where once we know something, it feels really obvious to us. And so we almost have to unlearn what we already know to realize that it might actually be really cool and interesting to other people and they want to hear about it and learn from you. So I'm giving you permission to tell your story. Ani Katie says, go for it. But like, now you're probably wondering like, okay, great. How? I want to just maybe share some of the most basic things that I learned from journalism school that still guide me every day, even though I've been writing professionally for almost 20 years now, like these are fundamentals. So how do you start? Like, what are those elements that you begin with? Just go to the five W's. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Like, those are the basic building blocks of stories. It's really easy to feel like I want to tackle big themes. I want like a deep philosophical engagement. I want to look like I'm smart. But if you skip those basics, no one's even going to know what your story is about. And I've even pared them down to three more basic elements. So there's three P's that you can think about when you're sitting down to write a blog post, or you're just doing even like a quick Instagram story or like a social media post. Three P's, you need a person, you need a place, and you need a problem. So the person's the character, and often that's going to be ourselves because we're, you know, running our own business. But you need a person to be like the character moving that story along. I say place, you need a context. So it might be place and also time. Like, where is this story happening? Mm-hmm. We're going to want to know some details so that you can, as you say, Kelly, you're a visual person. You want to be able to envision the world where this is happening. Mm-hmm. And then the third P is problem or pain. It doesn't need to be like I'm bankrupt or <laughs> it doesn't need to be I'm getting sued. Like it doesn't need to be a dramatic pain, but like it could be something as small as in this age of COVID-19 and we're all working from home My kids won't stop pounding on my office door. Like, tell us a little story about that. It doesn't need to be super dramatic to give us just a little hook to get that story going. Okay. A friend of ours, Robert Moore, the writer, told me something once, and I thought this was really great. He said, I think he was quoting someone else. He said, happiness writes white. And what that means is that if everything is great, it's actually really boring. Like there's sort of nothing to say when things are perfect. And I think we've all experienced this with, you know, our friend on social media, who's just putting up those super boring, perfect posts all the time. So when you're thinking about the three P's, you know, bring us into those day to day struggles. Those are really, they're really great connection points for your audience. 
just recently, I'd been doing some research on Instagram, and I think it was Media Today came out with um, some preliminary research that indicates that people actually feel worse after reading stories of good fortune from others, <laughs> yeah. which seems a little bit backwards, but it's what they're finding from Instagram, and it's the whole comparison trap. So, and then I think, mm. too, like to your point, you know, as we all know and love, Brene Brown talks a lot about getting vulnerable and showing that you're an imperfect human, just like every other human on planet Earth, so that it gives us those connection points. Mm. Now I want to ask you, what's sort of the limitation there? Because I think at the same time, people listening are thinking, well, I don't want to show up, you know, and create a brand that looks like a hot mess. So what are sort of the limitations with identifying the person, place and problem? Right. I mean, I think, and really this does speak to the problem part. I think that everyone's appetite for like how honest or how open, how transparent they want to be around those pain points is going to be different. What I would say is it's probably good to demonstrate overall that you know how to fix these problems or that you can deal with them with grace and humor. Like, you know, the working from home problem, like my kids are off school for two weeks with COVID-19 and they're knocking on my door. You know, that doesn't really reflect poorly on you, but it might be an interesting opportunity to demonstrate qualities about yourself and how you run your life and business and how you respond to that. Mm -hmm. And the thing with social media too, that's so interesting is if you think about a traditional kind of story that we would engage with like a, a novel or a movie, you know, they're sort of bigger, longer tales. And in social media, it's almost like you're writing the book every day as you go. So it's okay if it's a piece of a larger story, that's natural. When you mentioned Brene Brown and vulnerability, I've become obsessed recently with um, Jerry Saltz. He's the art critic at New York Magazine. And he talks about artists, how in their work, they have to dance naked in public. And his term is radical vulnerability, that you really have to show yourself for anyone to engage with the art you're making. And let's face it, like now we're all dancing naked in public because we're all putting out our ideas and our content and our creation. So you have to be brave. And, you know, on the business side of things too, be a bit savvy. If you're worried you're veering into hot mess territory, then maybe it's time to just pull back a tiny bit. I used to feel like I lived in a perpetual groundhog day. Every Sunday, I would need to sit down and take time to think about what I would cook for the week, make a list of what groceries I would need to buy, and then go spend hours at the grocery store collecting the ingredients, sometimes needing to visit two or three places to find everything I needed. And still, we felt like we were eating the same meals over and over. Enter HelloFresh. The meals are pre-planned, the groceries are gathered, and everything I need to prepare delicious meals for my family is dropped off at my door once per week. We are discovering new delicious recipes every week. I am getting the hours of meal prep time back. There is no food waste. And best of all, every meal can be prepared in just 30 minutes. Visit kellylawson.ca slash HelloFresh to check out some of my favorite meals and save $40 on your first box. That's kellylawson.ca slash HelloFresh. I really like that analogy about dancing naked in public because sometimes it really does feel like that. 
Yeah, I mean, Kelly, I think you're someone who really pulls back the curtain. You really show how your personal life and your professional work are connected. Do you ever worry that it's too much or do you ever feel overly vulnerable? A million percent. It doesn't come to me naturally. It's something that I've had to push myself to do. I mean, I shouldn't say that. If I was having a conversation with a person, it does come to me naturally to share anything. I'm kind of an open book that way. I'm not very, Mm. I'm not a very private person, but putting it out for, I don't know who's at the other end to see it sometimes feels a little frightening. Amy Porterfield put it really well one day when I was listening to one of her podcasts, which I've listened to every one of them. And Mm -hmm. she said, make sure that you're sharing scars not scabs, which is very similar to what you just said about demonstrating the problem is fine as long as you're coming at it from a perspective of knowing how to fix it. Yes. And also, I think that sense of empowerment we get from our biggest failings or so-called failings, you want to show that you're able to learn something through those times you fell down. Yes, absolutely. Okay, I may have taken you off course a little bit. So yeah. we started with three Ps. So identifying the person, place, and problem. Yes. One of the first things that you learn in journalism school, and it's an adage that every editor I've ever had just beats this drum, is show, don't tell. Mm-hmm. This was a hard one for me to learn. But I think for if you're sort of an emerging brand storyteller, this is a really important place to focus. So let me give you an example. Let's say I was writing a post and I wrote, today was the worst day I've had in ages. Okay. But what if instead I said, from the minute my alarm went off at 6, 10 a.m. and I rolled over, fell out of bed, cracked my knee... I knew this day was off to a bad start. The cat had puked on the couch. My kid wouldn't eat his breakfast. We were running late for the bus. I couldn't find parking when I got uptown. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm just kind of riffing here, but it's really about sharing those details and actions that bring a scene to life. So... I think often in business, we want to make like a strong statement, but it's really better to create, like think about building a little scene. That in a nutshell is show, don't tell. I love it because even when you just said those few little things, I felt your pain, which is so much different than you just saying today sucked. Like when you say it that way, I don't feel your pain. But when you describe it the way you just did, I just came along that journey with you. Yeah. And one thing I would say with those details is the more specific you can get, the better. So like mention places, mention colors, like give us sensory input. What did something feel like or smell like? You know, when I went downstairs and the cat had puked on the couch, (laughs) 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 this is getting a little gross, but the more specific the detail, then the more uh, your audience can really experience that story with you. So show, don't tell. It's a tricky one, my friends. And that just, you know, just keep practicing. I, like I said, I've been writing for almost 20 years and I still sometimes have to stop myself and remember to show, not tell. Okay, so we have the three Ps. We have show, don't tell. What's next? Well, I have one more big one. And then I just had a few tools that we could go over too, if you wanted, Kelly. Yes, please. Okay, so... 
As a newspaper reporter, there's a technique in writing called the inverted pyramid. So if you think about a triangle flipped on its head, the top part of the story is your most important information. As you get down to the bottom of the pyramid, that's the stuff that's less and less important. The reason that we were taught to write this way is that if your story needs to get cut from space, you cut from the bottom. And I think sometimes we have a tendency to want to hold on to the best stuff for like a big reveal at the end, but it's don't bury your gold. Open with your best stuff and then you can build sort of the supporting narrative as you go. So that would be my one more journalism school 101 tip. And I think in today's age of, I mean, an abundance of content and information and potentially shortened attention spans, it's really important to get those good golden nuggets up at the top because people are just scanning really quickly. And I think there's probably research, I don't know of it, but there's probably research that would suggest that if you don't hook your reader within the first few seconds, you're probably going to lose them. It's true. I mean, Kelly, you and I talk about this all the time, how the headlines, I think you, you've you said it before, it's 80 cents on the dollar. And it's so true. It was true in, when I was working for newspapers as well. So yeah, be like, really don't hold back, put that good stuff up front. And also, I think, you know, as you're writing too, if you put the that really strong gold at the top, it'll set you up for a nice flow too. It'll give your writing some momentum. Yes, it makes sense. And I know just because Katie does a lot of editing of my writing, I know oftentimes that's what's happening. And I, and when I was in grade school, you know, we were taught to do an intro and a body and a conclusion. And I seem to be kind of stuck in that format. So I know, Katie, like when you're editing my work, a lot of times you're pulling the nuggets out of the body and putting them up at the top. And it just makes a lot of sense because, you know, in today's age, people are in a hurry and they're taking in as, as much content as they can as quickly as possible. So put the good stuff first and draw them in that way. I love that piece of advice. So Katie, you mentioned that you have some tools that listeners can use to do these things. What are they? For sure. I mean, Kelly, kind of keeping with my theme of simplicity, these are super simple ones, but I think a lot of people still skip them. So the first thing you're going to want to do when you're done writing a piece is you're going to put it through like some kind of spell check. Mm -hmm. I started using Grammarly this year and I really love it because it'll, it goes a little deeper than some spell check programs. It'll alert you sort of when you're backing your, your ideas, maybe passive or your sentence construction is too complicated. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big fan of Grammarly. Mm -hmm. Another tip I have is print out your work, edit from a hard copy. You will find so many more mistakes and typos when you do this. I don't know why, but from reading on a screen versus reading on a piece of paper, it's a huge difference. So print it out. Mm -hmm. The other thing, when you get your edit together, read it aloud. If it's hard to say, it's going to be hard to read. So perhaps you just have an overlong sentence that you just need to break that one sentence into two. But reading it aloud is the quickest way to spot what's extraneous, complicated, and just kind of making for a mucky storytelling. I think it would be a really good litmus test as well 
to ensure that it sounds like you. Because sometimes I find when I sit down to write, maybe because in university, they kind of drilled it into us a little bit to sound academic. But I find when I mm. sit down to write, all of a sudden I'm saying like, hello, madam, today we will. And <laughs> it doesn't sound anything like I would if I was having a conversation with a person. So I think maybe that's a good way to, to test to make sure it actually sounds like you too, right? And it's also, you can almost reverse engineer that you could write as though you're talking to a friend or if you're just, you know, you're doing some social media posts, like what would you tell your family at the end of the day? Voice is so essential, but it's one of the hardest things to capture. And it's, I think when we're starting out in business as well, like I had so much anxiety dealing with business people because I thought they were like this different breed of people who would think I was like this wacky creative So I like really buttoned down and formalized a lot of the writing I was doing in my early days. And it really did a disservice to me and probably to my customers as well. So yeah, voice is essential. Okay. Any other tools? Those are the big ones. Okay. And we'll make sure that we put a link to Grammarly in the show notes as well, because it's a free service and I use it as well. And it has saved my butt so many times for typos and grammatical errors. And it's just really, the interface is nice to look at and it's easy to use. So we'll definitely include that in the show notes. Okay. I want to know what you can talk to the users about uh, in terms of work-life balance? Because I know you're a busy lady and you're writing for a lot of people. And I think that this is something that, you know, isn't necessarily about copywriting, but is still a very valuable piece of advice for listeners. Yeah, this has been a big one. And it's finding that balance has been an evolving thing in my household. So like you, I'm a mom. I've got my son Gus is nine. We are an active family. I have a home office So there's a very gray line between my work and my life. And for the most part, I like it like that. But I did start to realize that there were certain things I could do that would make me, you know, a better wife, mom, friend, and also a better writer. And I, one of the biggest things, I think in the early years of my business, like a lot of people, I took all comers. I was just saying yes to every project that came along. And I was really, really burnt out. I was extremely overwhelmed. And I was run down in like body, mind and spirit. So what I've been trying to do now is give myself permission. And it really does like lift all parts of my life to really manage my energy. And like to really treat my body as my most important writing tool, if you will. There's things that are part of my personal life that I actually think of as part of my work life. Like after I get my son on the bus in the morning, I go for a big walk. And that just is such fuel for my day. I've been trying to, because I work from home, I can make my own food. So to make sure that there's just like really good, healthy food for me. It's easy to go and work at night to write, but I try to like make that family time and then get to bed at a reasonable hour. And these are certainly not revolutionary ideas, but the more I guarded my energy and my health, the benefits to my business were huge. Like I had so much more creative and physical energy to bring to my work. And it also made my family life a lot happier too. It sort of naturally sorted out the struggles that I had in the early days to find that balance. 
Have you guys seen my new website? It's pretty gorgeous. And if I know you, you're probably feeling like your website isn't as good as you'd like it to be, and you're struggling a little to find the perfect solution. Well, my friend, I have some advice for you. Get a Tonic site. Until I discovered Tonic, I was on that struggle bus too. And my Tonic site has forever changed the way I show up online and in my business. Tonic sites are completely customizable, they're code-free, and built with all the best marketing strategies in mind. It's time for you to have a site that looks just as good and probably even better than others in your industry so you can finally stand out in a way that's perfectly unique to you. And today, I'm giving you that extra little nudge that I think you've been waiting for. Save 15%, that's up to $200 on your new site. Just go to kellylawson.ca slash tonic site to find your perfect site and use the code Kelly Lawson to save 15% on your gorgeous new site today. You've made me think of something else, and it's a really important question that I almost missed, so I'm glad that you jogged my memory to ask you this. When people are putting their stories out there, I think it's going to feel like uncharted territory for a lot of people. And it's something that once you've put yourself out there and your story out there, you've also put it out there for criticism. And even if you're Mother Teresa, there's going to be haters or critics or whoever on the internet that's going to make you not feel good about what you put out there. Have you ever experienced this yourself? And or what advice do you have for people who may be confronted with criticism now that they're putting their lives on the internet in a different way? I mean, again, I go back to my journalistic training and that really, you've got to develop elephant skin. It's a really weird job in some ways because, and as a daily newspaper reporter, literally every day you're putting your work out for public judgment. And that is quite unusual. Also, even within the news structures themselves, Editors don't tend to mince words. Your colleagues will tell you if they think you're wrong or (laughs) you Mm -hmm. just think stupid. I think that in a way I'm lucky because I had that chance to work in that very public arena. When I think about copywriting and brand storytelling now, I think that if some people don't like what you're doing, that's actually a good thing. It probably means that you are being brave enough to show something meaningful or bold, you're not putting out just vanilla content that couldn't possibly really bother anyone or that anyone could disagree with. If you're doing that, you're not also putting out stories that anyone can passionately like attach to either. And if people don't like what you're doing, pay attention to them. I mean, yes, some people are just haters and their criticism may not be based on anything constructive, but the feedback you get actually can be your best teacher. Mm -hmm. Especially if it's coming from your target client or your target market. It's true. Like, have you ever gotten a piece of feedback that at first you're like, Ooh, that's stung. But then upon reflection, you go, okay, they may have a point and you know, it may actually affect how you do things. Yeah, I mean, I definitely am not a stranger to unsolicited criticism. And the way that I take it, I sort of look at it in a couple of ways. The first thing I do is go, is that person my ideal client or my target client? Because sometimes, you know, and it takes a little getting used to, but sometimes people aren't going to like what you're doing. But if they're not the people who you're trying to attract in the first place, then I just tell myself, you got to let that go and just stay focused and stay in your lane. The second thing, though, is if I start to hear 
criticisms more than once, then that's when I go, okay, now it's something to pay attention to. But if it's just a one-off, it's a little bit easier to ignore. But if it's a if it's a recurring pattern, if you're hearing it from, you know, your husband and your friend, like if it's if you're hearing it from more than just one person, then I think it's worthy of maybe a little bit of consideration. But for the most part, yeah. I try to just stay focused on the target client and stay in that lane and put my blinders on. The other thing I would say, just to sort of build on that, is if someone has taken the time to respond, even if it's in a way that feels negative, I think of that as an invitation to even go a bit deeper. It may be a chance to win someone over, Mm -hmm. but like there's no harm in looping back to that person. Maybe you take that conversation offline, but I would say just don't be scared of the criticism. You'll grow a lot from it. I mean, you may even get to the point, I'm not quite there yet, where it becomes almost like a bit of a fuel because you know you're being bold and brave and you're affecting people so much that they feel compelled to respond. Yeah, that can't be a bad thing, right? (laughs) So I have this feeling that listeners are listening to this and thinking, okay, this is great. I've got a sense of how to tell a story, how to put the most compelling things up front, the inverted triangle, and how to, you know, use more descriptors in my writing. But I have a feeling that listeners are listening to this and thinking like, okay, that's all great. But how do I know what stories I should be telling? How do I look at my life and say, okay, that's worthy of putting on the internet into one of these beautifully crafted stories? How do they find those little nuggets within their own lives? Yeah, I mean, I think that and you're really getting at the crux of this, which is that the story, the storytelling, like the piece of content or that blog post or whatever, like that resulting work That's great. That's your end result. But like this process isn't even really about writing. It's about paying attention. And once you start storytelling, you are going to hone your skill set around paying attention and you will start seeing stories just laying around everywhere in your life and business. So it's, I just want to really give storytelling and writing those props for being just such a powerful tool for more than just creating content. So I made an ebook that people, I think you'll probably put it in the show notes, people can Mm -hmm. download it. And it's 15 brand stories you can tell today. And they're really just writing prompts on things that are around all of us to get you started. It could be something as simple. I mean, a really beautiful place to start is your origin story. Mm -hmm. And Kelly, I mean, I know you have really shared yours about how you came from this healthcare background that you'd worked so hard to build this career and your painful transition into successful entrepreneurship. So I think if anyone's looking for an example like of a great origin story and how to tell it, like Kelly Lawson has got (laughs) that one down. Thank you. (laughs) Anyhow, there's a bunch of different types of stories. Some of them have to do with just the office environment. Like there's inspiration there. The things around us Mm -hmm. are very telling. Mm -hmm. Again, I keep going back to this journalism training. I had a professor when I was at Concordia. She had won a Pulitzer Prize at the Chicago Tribune. She was just an incredible writer and mentor. And she would say to us, there's no such thing as writer's block. That is just a failure of your curiosity. She said, if you are interested, you will be interesting. So 
it may feel a little bit forced in the beginning, but I would just like amp up that curiosity and that interestedness around the things happening. And you'll start to notice stories everywhere. It is no secret at all that I love to shop. When I find something I love, I buy it in every color and I live in it. Generally speaking, I dress for casual style and comfort, but I also invest in pieces that go with everything else in my closet. I guess I'm a lover of leverageability in all areas of life. I get asked a lot where I got my clothing items and I try to tag these products as I post them online. But for those of you that want to get a better look at what I'm adding to my capsule each season, head to kellylawson.ca slash mystyle. I'll add the latest and greatest fashion items as I find them and link to the best deals I can find. So make sure you check in regularly and happy shopping workshop warriors. I love what you said earlier. Like, what would you tell your family at the end of your day? Like, what those are your stories. Like, when you're at a cocktail party on Friday, what are you telling people about your week? Those are your stories. Those are the ones that are worth sharing. And obviously, if they're worth telling at a networking event, um, that's going to help you to draw connections with the people in your physical environment, but also in your virtual environment. For sure. And I mean, I know, Kelly, you and I talk about this, and I, I think it's something that you'll be covering in your podcast is this ideal customer avatar. Mm -hmm. And I just think of it more like most authors have an ideal reader. So if you're like writing a book, you're writing it to that one person, that one reader. So if you have that ideal audience member in mind, just think like, what would you tell them if you're like grabbing a wine at the end of the day or meeting for lunch? Absolutely. And there is an episode on exactly that topic. And I can't remember what episode number it is. So (laughs) I'll add that into the extra, but it's one of the earlier episodes. So be sure to go back and check out that one. It's all about figuring out who your ideal customer is. You know, I was talking earlier about that really basic storytelling thing. We learn the five W's and the most important one of those is why. Mm. So if you can get in the habit of almost like a self-interrogation, why does this matter? Why did that happen? Why did that bother me so much? Why would my audience care about this? Why didn't that business idea work out? Like, start with why we've all heard that. Mm -hmm. If you can get into that habit of questioning, then you're going to come up with ideas and you're going to come up with some interesting answers as well. My seven-year-old son is a really good example of asking that question and the types of answers that come from that. So if you're struggling with this one, just imagine being in a room with a five-year-old and they're going to ask you why after every answer that you give them. And it's amazing how you can drill down on a topic with just that one word. (laughs) Yeah, it can really unearth some surprising answers. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, some deep soul searching. Okay, Katie. So first of all, you're going to provide this beautiful PDF download for 15 brand stories you can tell today. I love that. I love that it's not tomorrow, not next week, but today. And I wanted to ask you just as a little bit of a send-off, what is one piece of advice you have for listeners, something that they could do like this afternoon to move the needle on storytelling for their brand or business? Okay, so here's the thing, and this is probably the most basic but important thing that we've talked about, is you have to start and you have to finish. Mm -hmm. Get out of your own way. So grab my ebook, 
or think of a little story or a big story you've been wanting to tell, get it down, give it a nice edit, and then ship it. You don't need to write an epic post every time. Maybe it's just a short, like one line social media contribution to your overall brand story. That is okay. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, like, writing is a muscle. It is like going to the gym. In the beginning, it's really painful. It's hard. Like, I get it. But the more you do it, the better it'll get and the better it'll feel. And then it'll become like you just need that little, it's like your little uh, writing workout every day. Mm-hmm. I always love to say that done is better than perfect. So if you're waiting for perfect, it's probably never going to come. It'll just, like you said, sit in your Google Drive forever and then it's not serving anybody. So get it out into the world. I love this piece of advice. I live by that. Like take imperfect action. It'll be okay. You'll learn as you go. That's how it works. Nobody starts out perfectly. Nobody. Not Oprah not Beyonce, nobody. (laughs) No. And really when it comes to putting out stories and content, it is a bit of a numbers game. Like a lot of it's just going to be good and that's okay. And through the good, that's when you're going to actually come upon those ideas and those posts that people go bananas over. So you got to put out a lot of good stuff to get to the great, which is probably completely misquoting Jim Collins, but you can't just do great. It's not possible. Okay. Katie, we're going to include your workbook in the show notes. We're going to include a link to Grammarly in the show notes. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah. Okay. So super easy. I'm on Instagram, Story by Kate, Facebook as well. That's my business page. And you can just come and find me on my website, which is katewallace.ca. You can check out some projects I've done and my blog. I share a lot of writing tips and just kind of pull back the curtain on my own writing life, which is sometimes hilarious, sometimes frustrating, and sometimes a real adventure. Yes. I mean, more than anyone, you know how to keep it real. Like Katie shows up as the most real human. She's definitely an amazing example of how to do this correctly. I am just so happy that you took the time to chat with us today and share so many tactical ways to tell brand stories online. Oh, it was so fun. I mean, I could literally sit here and chat about this stuff all day. So if you ever have another hour you want to fill with this. Yes, maybe we'll do a follow-up show. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Okay, thank you, Katie, so much. Thanks, Kelly. It was a hoot. Oh, see what I mean, you guys? Katie is a gem, and I hope her words help to inspire you today to hone your own stories and tell them in an irresistible way so that you will pull your customers into your world in a way that serves them and your business in the best possible way. You guys, this was another super fun episode that just went by way too fast. Please don't forget to grab your free workbook from the show notes of today's episode at kellylawson.ca slash 006. And by the way, if you're loving this content, a nice review on iTunes goes a long, long way for making them continue to happen. I love you, Workshop Warriors. Thanks for listening to the Workshop Weekly Podcast, the show where no dream is too big and no topic is too small. If you like our show and want to know more, check out www.theworkshopweekly.com or leave a review on iTunes. And we'll see you next week for another action-packed episode, you Workshop Warrior, you.